All right. It is so good to be together this weekend. And uh, we are going to finish out a series uh, that we've been talking about here for these last few weeks called Toxic. And we've been looking at this idea of relationships. And we said that relationships are a big, big deal. We talk about them a lot here at Grace Church because they're the core to everything in our life, right? So you can hit it as big as you want and you can have all the money and the power and the fame and be as good looking as I am. But if you don't have strong relationships, it will rob all the joy and all the life out of all those things. And so they're key to life. And we've said that if you're a Christ follower, uh, we would take that idea even a step deeper and we would say they're actually kind of the meaning of life, starting with our relationship with Christ. And out of our relationship with Jesus, then all of our other relationships flow. And in a time when the world is strained and relationships are, are stressed and we're struggling to trust each other and love each other and be patient with each other, is there an alternative? Is there a different way to approach these things that would bring health and happiness? And if you're a Christ follower, we would say godliness into those relational circles. So we've been talking about this for a while and those conversations are online, they're on the app, they're on the podcast, they're all out there. I bet you if you listen to them, uh, they would be helpful for you. There's a lot of like practical advice in there as well as a lot of scripture. And so maybe take a time and have a bit of a listen to that. But I want to finish up this weekend by kind of grabbing where we ended last weekend. Last weekend, I teased you a little bit with the idea that I wanted to show you something that would that was radical, life-changing, countercultural, and a mind-bending alternative to bitterness or to toxicity. And there's a path that God spells out for us and shows us in the scripture that will take us to a place that we would never really find on our own because it's not our nature to do it. But when we get there and start to operate in it, it will cause us to move toward each other in very radically different ways and give us very big alternatives to simply kind of the way that we were raised or our personality or even the cultural norms around us. And I want to look at that and kind of get our head around it a little bit this weekend. So I'm going to take us kind of on this discussion path and we're going to talk about what, what exactly is this radical, life-changing, countercultural, mind-bending alternative to bitterness, but kind of walk through a passage of scripture a little bit. And I want to show you that there's a primary decision that we have to make in order to have a different outcome. And we'll talk about that. I want to talk about the reality of that change and how that actually plays out kind of in real time and real life in our life. I want to show you an unexpected way to win. Like the Bible gives us this pretty strong alternative to, to win in relational conflict. And then finally, I want to show you what this countercultural counter living might look like. So we're going to camp out in Romans chapter 12 and grab your Bibles if you got them. And we're going to go there. So Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look at this. And uh, if you want to use the Bibles in the chairs, it's page 920 in those Bibles, or you can follow along with me and I'll read this for us 
off the screens here and out of my notes. So this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says this in Romans chapter 12, and we'll read it, and then we'll kind of pick it apart a little bit and look at this pathway that he gives us to have non-toxic relationships. Verse one, he says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give or to offer your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifices, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the, the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluations of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Verse nine, don't just pretend to love each other, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think that you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone you see, everyone can see that you are honorable and do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, don't never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And that passage, that whole chapter of the Bible is a powerful chapter of the Bible. You should read that a bunch on your own, dig at it. There's a gazillion things in there that play out strongly in our life. But I wanted you to see kind of how Paul is walking through this alternative pathway. In toxic relationships, the, the, kind of the premise of a toxic relationship is how you treat me defines how I treat you. So if you treat me horribly, I treat you horribly. You gossip about me, I gossip about you. You blast me on social media, I blast you back. And we go into these cycles of toxicity. What we've been talking about here for the last few weeks is breaking out of those cycles with godliness, that I'm choosing the pathway of Jesus, I'm going down the path, following Christ, and the Apostle Paul writing on God's behalf here in Romans is like, that's how that path is gonna play out. It's gonna show up very, very differently. It's the key to breaking these cycles, and it's gonna lead you to a place that you would have never thought to go on your own. It's gonna take you to this life-altering, mind-bending, alternative action 
when it comes to our toxic relationships, right? So let's look at this a little bit and see if we can just see this pathway by looking at a few of the verses through this chapter and kind of get our head around it as we go to live out these relationships in real time. Uh, Paul says this in verse one, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So the apostle Paul says this, he says, I'm pleading with you to give your bodies. And then he emphasizes these words, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, right? Now, if we're going to live a non-toxic life, if we're going to live the life of Jesus, follow him, love him, be act like him, uh, talk like him, love like he is, motivated like he does. If we're going to do that, we're going to have to make a primary decision in our life. And the primary decision of our life is going to be this. Am I going to choose the path of Christ and allow Jesus to define me and to direct me. Where he is the authority, he is the truth, not my truth, it's his truth, and he is the one that I am submitting or yielding my life to. The way that the Apostle Paul says that is he says, you would offer yourself as a living and a holy sacrifice. I'm gonna offer my body, I'm gonna offer my mind, I'm gonna offer my emotions, I'm gonna offer my relationships, I'm gonna offer every aspect of me. And I give myself to God he doesn't take me, he doesn't demand, he doesn't insist, he doesn't say, if you don't do it, I'm just gonna deep fry you and transfer you to Michigan or something horrible. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to decide to give myself to God and to allow God to be the one who is my truth, who defines me and who directs me and who governs my life, right? Now, if I'm gonna have relationships that are different. If I'm gonna have healing in my relationships because the family went to war, mom and dad malfunctioned, and now we gotta somehow have healing. If I'm gonna have a healthy marriage, if I'm gonna honor my mother and my father because I'm a teenager and I'm struggling with that and I'm pretty sure I know more than they do. If I'm gonna repair a friendship, if I'm gonna have any kind of healthy relationship, as a Christ follower, all relationships start with my relationship with Christ. So if I have not yet made the primary decision that I am yielding myself to God so that what you say and what you do does not define how I interact with you, how Christ interacts with me defines how I interact with you. If I have not made that primary decision and I'm not living in that primary decision, then I will never have the outcomes that I'm looking for in my life. And we just have to talk about this for a minute, okay? I think one of the hardest challenges in life and one of the most difficult things to get our head around in life, even as a Christ follower, is this, right? So that Jesus loves me I can kind of start to understand that. He forgives me. I don't have to earn my salvation. It's a free gift. It's not by works. I can try to get my head around that, right? 
And when I believe these things, and I say that Jesus, I ask the forgiveness of my sin, I, you are my God, you're not my theory, you're not my political system, you're not my worldview, but I actually believe that you are my God, and I want to place my life under your lordship or under your definition and direction. The hardest and the most dynamic change that you will ever go through in your life is that. Because the hardest thing to actually kind of living the Christian life is that I am used to being my own authority. And our culture would emphasize that really, really strongly today, which by the way is not new, right? They did the same thing in the Enlightenment. They did the same thing in the American Revolution. Just read a little bit of history. It's all cyclical and we're just kind of back there, right? But this idea that I don't control my own life, that I don't define my own truth, that my emotions do not govern me, that my instincts do not govern me, that my will does not govern me, that I place my life under Jesus's authority, that reality is a difficult reality, but it's key to everything, right? Because I'm not used to that. Nobody is affirming that. If you, are, if you didn't grow up in the church and you didn't grow up following Jesus and you go and you call your mom and you say, I became a Christian and I've given up all claims in my life. I've died to myself and I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice unto Jesus. She's going to dial 911 because she just figures you joined a cult, right? But when the apostle Paul is writing this, he's saying, guys, this is how this works. I'm not responding to you. I'm responding to Christ. And I'm not living for me. I'm living for Christ. And I am deciding that I am giving myself in that way. I offer myself. I don't feel a guilt trip. I didn't join a cult. I'm not trying to earn my way to heaven. I have recognized who Jesus is. I have recognized my need for him. And out of gratitude and love and honoring him, I give myself. Right? Now, if we don't do that, if we don't make that decision, if that's not the paradigm that we're kind of living within, then none of the rest of the Bible will make sense. So when Jesus says you're blessed if people persecute you because of me, that doesn't feel like a blessing if I still think that I'm in charge of my own life. When Jesus says, you know, if you want to find your life, you should lose it, that doesn't make any sense if I still believe that I should be living my best life now. When Jesus talks about generosity, when he talks about sacrifice, when he talks about eternal life, that, that, you know what, what is mortal is swallowed up by life, the Apostle Paul said, none of that makes sense. If I am taking Christ and bringing him into my life in order to better the life that I want to live. Jesus bless me, Jesus complete me, Jesus do for me, Jesus answer my prayer, Jesus make me a healthy, balanced person. Paul says, that's not the way that works at all. 
at the core of following Christ is me giving myself to Christ as a living and holy sacrifice. That word holy means set apart. I'm living for you and I'm setting myself apart for you only, Jesus. And that primary decision in our life is what frames and governs and makes everything else make sense in our relationship with Jesus. So when we feel or or we hear these truths of scripture that we've been talking about the last few weeks, and we look and say, man, that would help, that would help. Ooh, man, I could could really do something with that. What I'm saying to you is it's good advice. God makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So biblical truth blesses everybody. But the power of it comes in your giving of your life as a sacrifice. Not in these little snippets of truth that would fit on a t-shirt, but on this complete and total change where I say my life is not mine. I freely, willingly, joyfully offer it to Christ, right? So that primary decision is the decision that gets every other thing rolling in my life. And Paul goes on in Romans 12, and you, you start, you start th- reading that through that primary decision, that, that whole chapter starts to make a bunch of sense real, real quick. And as he goes through Romans 12, he gets all the way down to verse 18, and he says this. He says, kind of in this context of a holy living sacrifice, then you do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. And that verse right there is a very powerful and a very practical verse. And it's important in context of offering myself as a living and holy sacrifice. So here I am, I offer myself fully to Jesus. It's your truth, it's not my truth. It's your life, it's not my life. It's your will, it's not my will. And in that place, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowering God's word, I'm now following Christ. And Paul says, this is what you do. You do all that you can then to live at peace with everyone. You bring that into relationships, right? Now this verse has two parts to it that are important. The first part is the do all part. So you take this biblical truth that we've been talking about, you're downloading that, you're understanding that in light of being a living sacrifice, And I'm looking then and I'm saying, can I, am I doing everything that I can do in this difficult marriage? My roommate's just nuts. Like, am, am I coming to the table before God, doing everything that I can do before God to live at peace with this person? Is my behavior and my decisions, are they being governed by Jesus in this process, right? This is what happens. What happens sometimes is we try God's truth as opposed to living God's truth. And we'll hear God's truth and we'll hear it as advice or we'll hear it as a nugget or we'll hear it and say, you know, that's something, I should give that a shot. And so we'll try something and it doesn't work, and we're like, then God's truth doesn't work. Because I can know something, but not believe it, right? I can know something, but not believe it. 
so I can try it, but not live by it. A couple weeks ago, I made this statement. We're talking about humility and that, that God says we should live in humility with each other. And I said this, I said, you know, 60 seconds of humility, the laying aside of your perceived rights can change your whole evening. Instead of your agenda and their agenda, if somebody just stepped up with 60 seconds of humility, it would change everything and bring peace to that relationship. Well, I hate it when I teach you something and then it gets applied to me. I think that's very unfair. I don't like that at all. So we were at home a couple weeks ago after I gave that conversation. A couple of our older kids, live. they're going to college and working, so they're still at home. And so we were going to go to a wedding that night of a friend and Heidi said, hey, she goes, I need a haircut before the wedding. I said, oh, that's interesting because I need a haircut before the wedding. And then my son who's in college just heard free haircut. And so he was like, I I need a haircut too. And so I'm like, okay, everybody get in the truck. Let's go get a haircut. And Heidi has gotten this new dog that I'm not sure if I love or not, but she got this little French bulldog. This thing thinks that it's a Rottweiler, right? And so she let this French bulldog out. It's running around going crazy. I'm trying to leave and it's barking. It's barking at our other dog. And I said to Heidi, I said, can you put the dog away? And she goes, why do you, why? Why, why are you yelling at me? I said, I'm not yelling at you. Just put the dog away. And she goes, why are you upset with me? I'm like, because somebody needs to put the dog away. She goes, why don't you put it away? I said, I can get the dog out. You got the dog out. You wanted the dog. You put the dog away. And my son looked at me and he goes, boy, dad, 60 seconds of humility would go a long way right now. <laughs> right? Right. So he's homeless. Right? We try stuff. I tried humility, it didn't work. I tried gentleness, it didn't work. I, I, I tried to be, I was patient once, it didn't work. She's still the same. And Paul says, wait a minute, are, are we talking about a living sacrifice? Is that what we're talking about? Are we there? Yeah. Okay. Now from here, are you doing all? Are you doing all? Or did you try something? I don't know. I ate a carrot. I didn't lose weight. Okay. Is this the paradigm we're talking from within? Because when I look, what, when Jesus says, I did all for you, he did all. He went to the cross. He laid his life down. He lived humility. He didn't try it once. So if I'm going to live in these non-toxic relationships, I'm starting here with God changing me. And then Paul's like, from that point, let's ask this question. And it's not works and it's not just get your act together and try, try, try. It's looking at saying, God, can, can you, you know what? Could you help me be humble? Would you empower me to be a servant? As opposed to I clean the kitchen, I don't know what your problem is, right? So do you do all? Then he asks the second question here. He says this, or second, there's kind of a second truth in here. He says, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. So he says, do all. And then he says, do all that you can, right? Now here's the facts. Here's the way this works. There are times when Peace is not up to you. 
So I can do all, I can do all in Christ. I can be a living sacrifice. I can be 100% in on that. Are you doing all? And usually when somebody asks the question, you're doing all and you're actually trying to live as a, as a living sacrifice, what, what we'll say is, I don't know what else to do. I, I mean, you ain't got any other ideas for me? Like I'm trying is kind of how we would say it. And I can be living here totally under God's authority, doing everything that I would know to do, everything that the scripture would tell me to do, every, every bit of counsel I can get. And the fact of the matter is that sometimes it's not up to me. So when I do all that I can to live at peace, that doesn't always mean that there will be peace. These are not magic formulas because there's other human beings involved, right? Hurting people hurt people. And that's why in scripture there are times that Jesus would endorse things like boundaries. Right? He would say, you go and you look for a person of peace. If nobody will have peace with you, then leave the village. There's times in scripture that Jesus would endorse justice, right? If somebody sins against you, you, Zach, you tax collector, you collect, you were robbed, you pay them back. He would endorse justice. There are times that Jesus would endorse pulling back from a relationship. The way he says it is don't cast your pearls before swine, right? It, 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 if they're just off the rails, you, you have to draw back. There's times, ready? Jesus even would say, there's times you have to divorce. When the marriage vows are forsaken, when the covenant is abandoned, it's not always up to us to live at peace. So peace is not the measurement. Living sacrifice is the measurement. Me doing all. Uh, God, have you done this in me, for me? Help me, show me. And if a person won't respond, then I look and say, well, that part of that, that's not up to me. And other aspects of scripture kick into play. And last weekend I said, if there are times that that has happened in you, what you need, you're like, hey, am I at that point? You need a conversation. You need wise counsel. You need insight. You need help. And that's where the Holy Spirit of God empowering the Holy Word of God brings you into the holy people of God. And a counselor, a pastor, a life group leader, a friend. Because sometimes we need a new idea and we find out we haven't, we haven't done all. And sometimes we really need to realize that this, this, this peace is something that someone else won't allow us to achieve, okay? So living sacrifice, offer myself to Christ. And then I'm like, I'm totally in, do all that I can do to live at peace with everybody else. I'm not just trying stuff, not just lip service stuff. I'm really going there, seeking to be the person that God is empowering me to be. And then what happens is you get to the end of this and God does something powerful. He redefines what a win is in a big, big way. Verse 21, he says this. 
He says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Isn't that fascinating? Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Sometimes as a Christ follower, we think that evil is something that's attacking us. They're out to get us, man. They're out to get us. Have you watched the news? Have you read the internet? Everything's true on the internet. Have you, have, like, have you figured all that kind of stuff out? Like evil's out to get us. And that person that I'm having that relational breakdown with, it's them against me. That, that's what's happening. And so in order to, in order to live as a, as a living sacrifice, man, what I have to do here is I have to like endure it. I have to take it. I have to bite my tongue. I have to somehow survive it. And I can pray, God, maybe you can smite them or give them leprosy or like something you did in the Old Testament. I don't know. But like, if you could do that stuff, I, I'd be good about it. But I got to somehow withstand all of this. When Paul writes this, he's writing from a completely different perspective. And his perspective is this. I don't let evil conquer me, but I become the conqueror. Evil's not something that I withstand because it's out to get me as a Christ follower, as a Christ follower, as the church of God. Evil is something that we would move toward or that you would move toward. And I would look to be the conqueror. But here's the key. Ready? This is big. You should write this down. Maybe a new tattoo. Here it is. Ready? If God is going to conquer evil through me, I must allow him to conquer evil in me. Right? Here we are. A living sacrifice. You screaming Bible verses at the person who's screaming curses at you is repaying evil with evil. You undermining your ex with the children because they're undermining you with the kids is you repaying evil with evil. You refusing to clean the dorm room because your roommate refuses is you repaying evil with evil. You going off on social media because they went off on social media is you repaying evil with evil. And if I, as a follower of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowering the Holy Word of God, as a living sacrifice, am going to be one who is offensive, who moves against evil, the first thing I have to do is let Christ change me. And here I am again, offering myself as a living and a holy sacrifice to God. God, pull the pride out of my life. Pull the, the self-righteousness out of my life. Pull the vengefulness out of my life. Help me to rid myself of bitterness and anger and slander and brawling and malice. Lord, do this work in me. And I offer myself so that you can do a work through me. It doesn't start with them. It starts with him. And how Christ interacts with you then, see, 
defines how I interact with them. So I'm asking God to do that work in me. And from that position then, I'm looking at this passage. Don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil by doing good. This is the mind-bending alternative. If your enemy is hungry, we don't look and say, good. If you would have gotten a job, you wouldn't be starving to death. That's what you deserve. You walk out on your family. That's the way that feed them. If they're thirsty, good. Yeah, yeah, I bet you're lonely. I bet you are. Give them something to drink. I conquer evil by doing good. I bring Christ with skin on me, Jesus and me, and I do good for you. And I redefine the win. See, in our culture, we're taught to win by using power and privilege and money and control and domination and da, da, da. But in Jesus, who did win, he won with love and joy and peace and sacrifice and humility and gentleness and the offering of his life. He conquered sin and conquered death and is the most powerful person in the history of humanity and never once exercised that power to his own benefit. But always for the love of you and me and the world that we live in. See, he conquers evil by doing good. And that is the most radical, life-changing, countercultural, mind-bending alternative to bitterness that only God could imagine and Jesus could illustrate, guys. To look at someone else who's in a toxic relationship and to see and to know what they're doing to you. But instead of looking at them, looking at Christ and saying, Christ, Jesus, what do you do to me? When I'm the toxic person to you, how do you respond to me? Because my life is surrendered to you. I'm a living and a holy sacrifice. I'm all yours. And if you want to speak through me and work through me, how do you want to do that? And what they're saying, what they're doing, how they're acting, that doesn't define me. Even if it's calls for boundaries, even, even if it calls for justice. But what they do to me doesn't define me. What you have done for me defines me. And I'm not just going to sit and take it. I'm going to conquer it. But with good. With love. With you. The way that you conquered sin, conquered death for me. And you start responding to someone who's toxic towards you in that way, and you will blow their mind. They will not know what to do with you. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. They're just confused. And you start to serve them, and you start to love them, and you start to forgive them, and you start to be humble toward them, and you start to be gentle toward them, and not once. I didn't yell at them yesterday. Well... As a start, <laughs> not once, but as a transformed person, 
because of what Jesus has done for you and through you. And the alternatives to toxicity start to become endless, right? So what if we play this game? What if we ask these questions? What if our win wasn't to change people? Because that's what everybody's trying to do. I'm yelling at you, you're yelling at me, I'm trying to get you to yield to me and you're trying to get me to yield to you. What if my win as a living sacrifice wasn't to change people? What if my win was for God to change us so that we could love like he would? What if I said, God, forget about her. Could you change me? Could you teach me how to love her? Could you teach me how to be a good friend? Could you teach me how to be a son to a difficult parent? Could you empower me to do something that I can't do and I haven't been able to pull off my whole life? Would you do that for me? Because I want to represent you. I bet you God would hear that prayer and I bet you he'd start that work immediately. We could play with it this way. Uh, what if our win wasn't to avenge an offense? Can you believe what they said about me? Can you believe it? What if our win wasn't to avenge an offense? What if uh, instead we were to be so secure in Christ that we were less offended? You know, Heidi and I have six kids, which means that we had six four-year-olds. Four-year-olds are wicked little creatures because they have wills and they can communicate, right? They can have wills and they can tell you what their will is. You know, of all my years of parenting four-year-olds and all the things that four-year-olds said to me, I wasn't ever offended. When they were like, hey, you're mean, daddy. I don't want to go to bed. I was like, oh yeah, you want to see mean? Never once, never once. You know why? Because I'm more mature, more grounded. I don't really care what a four-year-old thinks of me. You're a daughter of the living God. You are purchased by Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says we're not even citizens of the world. We're citizens of heaven. What do we care? What do you care? Well, she's my wife. She's also your sister in Christ and a daughter to your heavenly father. And, and if you want to look for an offense, you're going to find one every time. But Jesus, could you, could you make me more secure? Could you help me to grow in such a way that your praise for me outweighs their criticism of me? Could you help me to not be petty? Could, could you help me to see somebody with such compassion and empathy that I feel sorry for them when they're a jerk to me? What if we did it differently because of who we gave ourselves to, right? And you could just keep kind of playing with this, right? What if our win wasn't about our image, uh, but our reflection of Christ? If I, what if I didn't care what you thought? I only care what he thought. Right. What if we didn't try to win at all? 
And instead, we were willing to lose everything for Jesus. Because I'm a, I offer, I don't offer myself to you. I don't, I don't even offer myself to Heidi. I offer myself as a living holy sacrifice to God. And out of that relationship with him, every other relationship flows. And if I can look at the toxic people in my life and say, I actually, I really actually don't care if I win or lose with you. I only care about this, right? And Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, empowering your Holy Word, encouraged by your people, could this happen? Oh yeah, it can happen. It can happen in life-changing, mind-bending, totally alternative ways. I summed it up this way. Total surrender equals total freedom. You wanna be free of the toxic relationship with your parents that has wounded you and hurt you your whole life? It starts with surrendering yourself to Christ. You wanna be free of, of the disappointment. I thought, I really thought marriage was gonna be different than it is and it's like, I don't know, it's like I married a sinner. It starts with total surrender to Christ. You wanna be free of that person that just gets under your skin, like you just tense up when they walk in the room. It starts with total surrender. You want to be free of the shrapnel of abuse, the wounds of neglect, those harsh and callous words that are so freely and frequently spoken to you. It starts here, right? And what the good news of Jesus or what the Bible calls the gospel, what it does it doesn't just get us out of heaven and send to, or get us out of hell and send us to heaven. It changes every aspect of our lives, right? The, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it's not like a, a piece of jewelry that I put on or a shirt that I put on. It, it's like an infusion of blood. It goes to every aspect of who I am. It becomes who I am. And it completely and thoroughly changes me. And it actually starts with surrender. Not information, surrender. And when I surrender and I yield myself or I offer myself fully to Christ, God can change me and he can alter me and he can shift me. And if I do that, how he treats me defines how I treat you. And guys, listen, you get two people to do that. You get a husband and a wife to do that. You get a friend and a friend to do that. You get a child and a parent to do that. Oh man, oh man. God can do absolutely life altering things in you through you, for you, but by him.
because I offered myself as a living sacrifice, okay? All right, the band's gonna come out and they're gonna move the stage around a little bit. So maybe while they do that, we could bow our heads, close our eyes. Can I ask you a couple questions? Here's the first one, it's the big one. Have you ever fully surrendered your life to Christ? Not just knowing about God or growing up around God, but fully surrendered your life to Christ. God, I give up control. I give up opinion. I give up my truth. And I wanna know you and be guided by you and defined and directed by you. It's very different than being religious or going to church or being a good person. It's a living sacrifice. And if you've never done that, but God, for whatever your reason is, has you at that point in this moment, as I encourage you to do that, no magic words, no secret prayer, your heart to God's heart. Just tell him, I give up, I give up. And I, I offer myself, I give myself to you, right? And then guys, from that, you might have a relationship that you need to give up. Don't know what else to say. I, I, I have done. <laughs> God, I give up. And if you'll show me and guide me or at least help me to be loving and Christ-like. You may also look and say, there, I'm not doing all I could do. I'm, I'm throwing things at the wall, but I'm not giving myself. Hey. Instead of weighing whether or not you stay in this marriage or whether or not you cut this person out of your life, deciding I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. Now, Jesus, you gotta help. And he will, and he shows up in those moments. I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. I can, I can introduce you to the people. And this is what God wants for you, right? Jesus, would you help us with this? Would you let us receive from you, God, your, your salvation, your power, your truth, your wisdom, your strength, it's, you offer everything we need for life and godliness you give to us. So God, with open arms and hearts and minds, in a toxic world, would you let us be a source of healing and truth and hope would you work in us in those ways?
Jesus, as we sing this prayer, this song is a prayer, as we sing this prayer, would you press deeply into our hearts even now?